0: Hello, and welcome to this Life Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Now lean in and enjoy. We want to give you God's view on this thing called sex and sexuality. And if you didn't listen to last week's sermon, I really want to encourage you to do so. Uh, we kind of, we laid the groundwork for the next six weeks. And we spoke about the fact that God has gifted us with this thing called sex and sexuality. It's a gift. And it came before sin. It's not because of sin. It is a gift from God. And it was meant to be in place for our joy and for His glory. But the challenge is that sin has come along and sin has distorted the precious gift. If you read in chapter 2 of the Bible, it says that male and female, he created them, and the two became one flesh, and they were naked and felt no shame. See, in God's context, it's a good thing. There is no shame. But if we then look at human history and the trajectory of human history, we see the proliferation of sexual gratification. Outside of God's design. We see pornography. We see sexual abuse. We see divorce. We see betrayal. We see sin distorting the precious gift that God has given us. You know what's funny? It all started with a choice. Adam and Eve chose. See, God had already invited them into glory. He had already invited them into the most glorious life with him. But they chose a quick fix substitution. And the reality is that as humankind, we've been doing so ever since. We've been taking the quick fix. In this series, though, we want to paint a different picture. We want to show you that brokenness and pain and being unfulfilled does not have to be your landing space when it comes to sex and sexuality. God's heart is to redeem sexuality. He was crucified on that cross to redeem your sexuality. You might be sitting here this morning and you might feel like your sexuality is destroyed. He died for you to redeem that Very thing. Why? Because he gifted you with it. He has freedom in store, he has a bigger future, and ultimately he has fulfillment in Christ Jesus. That is an important point this morning, and we're going to touch on that again in a little bit. But I'm going to ask you to stand because that's what we do, and it kind of gets the blood flowing, and uh, you don't get too bored just sitting there listening to my voice. We get to stand up a little bit, and we're going to read scripture. I'm going to ask the team to put the scripture up. We're going to read. We're going to read from the message version this morning. 1 Peter 1.13. So roll up your sleeves and put your mind in gear. Be totally ready to receive the gift that's coming when Jesus arrives. Don't lazily slip back into those old grooves of evil, doing just what you feel like doing. You didn't know any better then. You do now. That's an important point. You do now. As obedient children, let yourselves be pulled into a way of life, shaped by God's life, a life energetic and blazing with holiness. God said, I am holy. You be holy. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this time. Thank you, Lord, that we get to hear from you We get to see what your word says about sexuality. Thank you, Lord God, that you came to bring us freedom. You didn't come to make things boring. You didn't come to make things narrow. You came to give us freedom in the space of sexuality. By your design. I pray this morning, Lord God, that we would hear from you this morning. Would you reveal your best for us this morning. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. The mind is a very powerful thing. It wields incredible power. And I'm not talking about, you know, when I wrote that statement, and I was preparing, it made me think back to when I was a kid and used to get those magicians, or those, you know, they used to bend a spoon. You know, like, oh, I'm going to bend a spoon with my mind power. I'm not talking about that kind of mind power. And I don't think they bend the spoon, but it doesn't matter. Forget the spoon. The mind is a ridiculously powerful thing. And if not restrained, and if not trained, it will yield incredibly destructive power over us. Your mind will destroy you. That's rough. It's your mind. See, for many years, I allowed my mind to run away with me. From a very young age, I started to live life in my head. I allowed myself to spend more time in my fantasy life than in real life. And the challenge with that is, is that eventually, your mind is going to take you places you didn't think you were going to go. So the title of this morning's sermon is Mind Games. And my prayer is that you will see that lust and the things that consume our minds are not just games. They're not just fantasy. They're not just your private thought life. Because the reality is, it's not that private. I want to challenge you this morning and tell you that your sexuality does not start below the belt. Your sexuality starts in your mind. It starts with your thought life. Proverbs says, As a man thinks, so shall he be. As a man thinks, so shall he be. God is after our hearts. There is no doubt of that. But the reality is our hearts are linked to our minds, and our minds can convince our hearts of things we didn't think possible. So I'm asking you this morning, we're going to roll up our sleeves, and we're going to get our minds into gear. I have three points this morning, and you will know they are points because they're going to rhyme. That's what we do. And the first one is the root determines the fruit. The root determines the fruit, and when I mean root, I mean like a root of a tree, not like root of a map. The root determines the fruit. The first root I want to talk about is the root of temptation. Because we're all tempted every single day of our lives. Some of you face temptation on the way to church this morning. Some of you faced temptation in your dreams last night. Temptation is real, and it's real for all of us. See, the power of all temptation is the prospect that it brings. Because on the outside, it looks good. We do not sin out of duty. None of us get up in the morning and go, Oh, I've got to sin today. I've got to do it. So this duty I've got to perform temptation offers us something. There's a prospect that it's going to make me feel good. There's a prospect that I'm just, oh, it's going to be so nice. But it's fleeting. See, temptation in itself is not sin. The Bible says Jesus was tempted. If you're facing temptation on a daily basis, you're not sinning. Because the truth is, I am going to Consider my position with God not based on my temptation. I'm going to consider my position with God based on how I respond to my temptations. It is good. It's a good comment. It's a good, good line. But we need to take it on board because it's very real. How are you responding to your temptations this morning? Martin Luther says this. He says, You can't stop birds flying overhead, but you can keep them from making a nest in your hair. Some of us, our hair looks like a bird's nest. That's different. <laughs> Sorry, Jay. Uh 1 Corinthians says this, says the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. That sentence, that verse, I found difficult. Because there were many times that I thought to myself, I'm the only one going through this. I'm the only one who's tempted like this. I'm the only one giving in to this temptation. No one else is going to understand. But the Bible says temptation is no different. We're all experiencing the same temptations. And then Paul just chucks this little thing in and says, And God is faithful. I love that. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. And then there's times I have to take that sentence and look at myself in the mirror and say, if that's true, why am I giving in? What route have I allowed to take ground in me? If it's true, why am I giving in, Lord? When you are tempted, He will show you a way out so that you can endure. Are you taking the way out this morning? See, the reality is we need to actively... Fight temptation. Temptation is real. We all go through it. We all encounter it. We have to actively fight it. In fact, the Bible uses words like "run." It's not often the Bible says you need to run away from things, but when it comes to sexual temptation, the Bible says run, flee. The Bible uses phrases like "take your thoughts captive." This is an act of resistance. I need to wake up in the morning. I need to make a decision. There's no gray area. It's a yes or a no. I'm either going to go for it, I'm going to take it on, or I'm going to say no, I'm going to turn around and walk the other way. The challenge is this. If all we do is resist the thing, I worry that eventually we're going to lose because it's going to be relentless. If the one thing we can give the enemy credit for Is that he is relentless. He will not stop. He will not give up. You think you've conquered that thing today. You wake up tomorrow morning and there it is all over again. I want you to just keep that thought in mind. We're going to come back to it. If all we are doing is getting up and saying no. And just fighting. I'm worried that we're eventually going to lose. Because it is relentless. So that's the first root the root of temptation. The second root, the root of sin. You've seen that temptation on its own is not sin. When I give in, it becomes sin. C.S. Lewis says this. He says, The desire of love is to give. The desire of lust is to take. So we do a little comparison here. We're going to compare lust and love. Lust is a taker love is a giver lust is selfish love is selfless lust is all about self all about me love is about others lust sees objects love sees a person in the image of god lust brings insecurity love brings Security. The root of all sin starts with who's at the center. Because when we're talking about lust, lust is all about me. Lust is all about my cravings. Lust is all about my pleasure. Lust is all about getting what I want and getting it now. That's lust. And I know I'm defining it here. The reality is most of us Know that. See, lust is an ancient and universal human sinful appetite. It's been around forever. Some of you make statements like, "Oh, it's, it's, you know, this kind of thing, like sexual sin is way worse now than it ever was. No, it's just the same. Our appetites have not changed. We just have much easier access to it now. I can vouch for that. I'll tell you a story just now. The challenge is that the more we feed lust, the more ravenous it becomes. Lust doesn't just stop with that little thing. Lust needs more, and lust needs more perverse diversity. That's a tough one. The more we feed it, the more ravenous it becomes and the more perversely diverse it becomes. I'll tell you what is different now in this day and age, is that we're starting to normalize things. So things are becoming socially acceptable. Perverse diversity is becoming socially acceptable. And the more we allow that into our lives, the more sexual immorality will steal, it will kill, and it will destroy This is the enemy's number one tool. I don't doubt it for a second. This is his ace card because it impacts every single one of us. Few sins wield as much power to blind unbelievers and to seduce Christians. And once we are seduced, we become immobilized. Why? Because we're filled with shame and guilt. Then we're just stuck in the corner and we do nothing. I think the driving force, though, is frequently misunderstood. See, often we feel like the driving force behind lust is human sexual drive, sexual appetite. But as we see in the Word of God, God has gifted sexual appetite. It's a gift. The challenge here is that it's not the dominant power. The dominant power behind lust and in lust Is sin. That is the dominant power. Because what ends up happening is sin will infect sexual drive. See, sexual drive inside of the context of God's plan is good. And it's restrained when it needs to be. But outside of that, it becomes infected by sin. So, what am I talking about? I'll give you a couple of examples. The Bible uses a word called coveting. If you're not familiar with some Bible terminology, coveting is, I want what I cannot have. This is a big driver for most people. Because we will see things in our daily lives, and we will want them, but we can't have them. And this will drive, it will fuel our lust to have something that we cannot have. What about self-indulgence? Self-indulgence. I'll give you an example. What about entertainment? Entertainment's good. There's nothing wrong with it. But when I overindulge, what happens? I become lazy, and laziness leads to a dangerous place. Because laziness leads to idleness. And nothing fuels lust like idleness. I'm guaranteeing that. Unchecked emotional states. We need to get our emotions into check. Because when we allow them to run away with us, what do they do? They can fuel lust. An unchecked emotional state is a challenge. What about the desire to wield self-exalting dominance or manipulative power over another? I need to show you that I am in control. See, that's the sin that fuels lust. And leads to some horrific situations. The fear of loneliness. Can be challenging. But The fear of death. Not trusting God for my future. The fear of death can be manifested in a sexualized desire to recapture youth or to be sexually desired by youth. It's real. All these things are sins that fuel lust. They infect and take hold of the sexual drive that God has given me as a gift. And they distort it. We recently at home cut some trees down. And um, when you cut some trees down, you have to still poison the tree. So you can cut it down, I don't see a tree anymore, the tree's gone. Yeah, so looks fine, looks good. But under the ground, the roots are still growing, they're still a problem. I now have to poison the roots. So I might look, it might look good on the outside or on the surface, but underneath, the, the roots are still going. I now need to poison the roots. I'll tell you what, the best way to poison the root of temptation and the root of sin is with the root of the Holy Spirit. And that might come across to you like just some real good Christianese. But I need to encourage you today that if you don't find that root, this is going to be a problem. I need to realize, we need to realize that as Christians we're no longer victims. We, ca- we are no longer a victim of this thing. Because we have been given way more authority than we think. Way more authority. We've been given everything, in fact, that we need. The spirit of lust is defeated by a superior spirit. And we have him in fullness. We need that revelation today. You know the reality is? He doesn't leave the room when you're struggling with your temptation and your lust. He's with you every step of the way. We need some scripture for you. It's in 2 Peter chapter 1. It says this. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him who called us to be His own glory and goodness, by His own glory and goodness. Through these, He has given us His very great and precious promises. We have to lean on His promises. So that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. That's quite a mouthful. I'm going to read this Message translation. Everything that goes into a life of pleasing God has been miraculously given to us by getting to know personally and intimately the one who invited us to God. The best invitation we ever received. I'm asking you today, what invitation are you accepting? Because every single day we're given an invitation to something. kids at that age now there's there's an invitation to a party every weekend you're being invited to something every single day God's inviting you back into the garden, back into glory with him the enemy is there slipping his cheap little substitution under the door every single day which one are you going to accept? see the root determines the fruit For more than 20 years of my life, I I allowed the roots of temptation and sin to bear fruit of lust, deceit, and sexual immorality. It's as simple as that. Until such time that I allowed the Holy Spirit to show me that confession breaks the obsession. That's point number two. Confession breaks the obsession. See, confession is not just some kind of spiritual practice of bygone eras. Maybe you think it's just something the Catholics do. They go to confession. No, confession is a gift. It's a gift from God for us to receive His grace. You want us to receive His grace in this area, you need to confess. Confession brings things into the light, confession strips. Sexual sin of secrecy and power. Confession does this. It shows our hatred for sin and it shows our love for God. You know what the thing is? Confession is a step of faith. Confession is scary. In that moment where you think, I need to confess this stuff and everything goes through your head. I need to confess to my wife and you're thinking she's going to leave me she's going to take our kids she's going to be maybe she won't leave me, maybe she'll just be so mad at me for the next 10 years every thought goes through your head confession is a step of faith because God's word says confession brings freedom I need to trust him that this is going to be okay. I, I was. Um, I was introduced to pornography. At the age of about. 10 or 11. I, I can't remember exactly that. But it was around about there. And. It gripped me. And. uh it led me on a journey and I became a slave to lust for the next 25 years of my life. If I'm honest and I look back at that time, I realize that I'd already allowed lust to creep into my young heart. Pornography just added fuel to the fire. But I'd already allowed myself to go there at a very young age. I encourage you this morning... That if you have kids around that age or slightly older and you've never and you're not talking to this, them about this stuff on a regular basis, you need to start now. See, I was introduced to pornography in the 1980s. And as many of you know, that, was, that wasn't easy. It wasn't easy to come by in this country in those times. There was no internet, all the dirty stuff was banned. But yet it, it found a way. The access today is ah it's one it's click on a phone. We need to be talking to our kids about this stuff. That started something in me, it started a journey in me. I I, I had this insatiable desire to feed it. <clears throat> That's why I say when I say lust is ravenous, I'm speaking from experience. And the reality is I became obsessed. I became obsessed with pornography. I became obsessed with sex. I became obsessed with self-gratification. I became obsessed with women. As a young guy, I struggled to have female friends. And then the internet came along. And just took things to a whole new level. My fantasies just grew in magnitude. I want to ask you today, where is your thought life going to take you? Where are your fantasies going to take you? Because if you do not get get them into check, they are going to take you somewhere. I think that for many of us, the reason why we have not acted out on our fantasies is because we either haven't had the opportunity or because we can't afford it. <laughs> no amens there. When a men came, men's camp three years ago and there was a man who stood up and said that line. And many of us have not acted out our fantasies because we either haven't had the opportunity Or because we cannot afford it. If we do not pull those things and get them into check, they will take us places. It's not just a little fantasy and private thought life. But my biggest, my ultimate breakthrough, my ultimate freedom came when I sat down on the bed with my wife and I confessed. See, God had gifted her with grace for my story. Because we're married. My story, it's her story. God had gifted her with grace for my story. And she forgave me. And she showered me with love and with mercy and with grace. I, I promise you this now. I've never felt as close to God than in those moments of confession. Never. See the thing is for most of us we have repented. You've got to a place where you said Jesus I'm sorry and that is the first step because those chains need to be broken but then for some reason we insist on picking them up and walking with them for the rest of our lives. Why do we do that? Confession breaks the obsession. Confession allows us to take those chains and throw them away once and for all. I want to encourage you today. There are a whole lot of you here this morning that need to have conversations. And I want to challenge you this. And I'm talking to the married couples now. That if you are not having conversations about your thought life, then we're actually keeping things secret. Because you are having thoughts about things. We need, to be conf- we need to be talking about our temptations. Because in that moment of talking about them, they get stopped in their tracks. You, we need to be talking about these things. I'm, I'm standing here today and saying, I need to be talking to my wife more. And she needs to be talking to me. This is not just, hey, I'm speaking to the guys. No, 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 I'm speaking to all of you. Ladies and men, you need to be talking to each other about what's happening in here. Because it brings freedom. You want freedom in your marriage? You want freedom in your sexuality? You want freedom in your sex life? We need to confess. We need to talk about the things that are going on in our heads. Who are you going to confess to today? That's a rhetorical question. You don't have to answer it. You answer it in your head right now. Who are you going to confess to today? Hmm. Point number three, we're almost done. Your yes empowers your no. A few minutes ago, I spoke to you about actively resisting temptation. And I asked you to hold that thought. The reality is that we've got to fight this thing every day. But if all we're doing is fighting, for the sake of fighting, we're going to lose. Because the stuff's relentless. But when my thirst for joy and meaning and passion are satisfied by the presence and promises of Christ... The power of sin is broken. See, when I realize that there is more in store, there is more pleasure in store, in and through him, I can get up and have that fight. Because there's something in store. There's something better for me. Just having the fight for the sake of it, I think we're going to lose. We're encouraged to set our mind on things above. Not passively, but actively putting our minds into gear. This takes Practice. This is training. If you just leave this thing to be, it'll go in its own direction. We need to train it. We need to train it. I can no longer say that I don't know what I was thinking. I need to take my thoughts captive or they're going to hold me hostage. Because the reality is what I starve dies and what I feed grows. What are you feeding today? We need to put on self-control. Well, when I wake up in the morning and I know where my pleasure lies, I can put on self-control with pleasure. It's not a duty. It's not a... Ah. I put it on with pleasure. I want to encourage you today, if you have repented and you have confessed, and maybe the last time you confessed was 10 years ago, there's a good chance you've still got to have another conversation. Because stuff happens. I'm harping on about this confession thing, guys. It is so empowering. It is the reality of grace in our lives.